When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum Internet has enough speed to handle all your needs. So you can work, game, and stream with speeds up to a gig. Plus, Spectrum's advanced Wi-Fi provides enhanced security for all your connected devices. Get Spectrum Internet with fast and reliable speeds, starting at just $29.99 a month with a two-year price guarantee. Visit spectrum.com slash internet for you for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Restrictions apply. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, and welcome to You Need Therapy. My name is Kat, and I am the host. And today, I am coming to you solo. Well, I'm coming to you kind of solo. I'm going to let you in on some of the behind the scenes pictures of what it's like to be me (laughs) running a podcast. And I was getting so amped to release this episode with this human. That way I'd planned because I somewhat in my head planned things out of when they're going to air. I planned for a certain one to come out today. And guess who ran out of storage on their computer and was frantically deleting stuff and accidentally deleted the conversation? (laughs) That would be me. So I'm so sad that that happened and at the same time the human that it was with which you know who you are is the most gracious understanding person ever and we're going to just record it again and it's going to be fine and what i choose to believe is we needed to record it again for some reason and also what i choose to believe is that that happened because what is about to happen needed to happen so i was planning after that to do an episode on being single and dating and all of the like stuff around that especially in the pandemic because a lot of the questions that you guys send me for couch talks or even just like dms and stuff that i'm able to get to and read there a lot of them are about singleness and dating and relationships so i was going to do that but then i remembered i had this very vulnerable conversation with someone named jamie twerkowski a couple months ago that i also wanted to share so today i decided i'm going to kind of combine both of those things Kind of. So today you're going to get a little bit of just me and then some bits of my conversation with Jamie. And if you don't know who Jamie is, he is the founder of an organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. This organization was created to give hope and help and healing and help people find healing for individuals struggling with their mental health, specifically depression, anxiety, and suicide. And one, I'm just going to throw this out there now, you need to go follow them. So you can follow To Write Love on Her Arms at at T-W-L-O-H-A on Instagram. And you can follow Jamie. His name is a little bit harder to spell, so I'll put it in the notes. But it's at Jamie Twerkowski. So they're awesome. And while you're at it, 
maybe um, go follow me at cat.defada and the podcast at You Need Therapy Podcast. Also, to write Love in Our Arms, I'm all over the place today, but their merch is awesome. Go check it out because all of that stuff helps what their organization does. So just want to put that out there. So today we're going to be talking about things and then I'm going to bring Jamie in and parts of this, the conversation I had with him for the podcast. And I'm going to weave it into this. So this is not actually going to be an episode on singleness like I'd originally planned. I want to talk to you about straight up loneliness today. So this episode is for everybody. I think that the past year has taught us more about loneliness than any of us wanted to learn. I can say that for myself. We felt more lonely than ever before, you know, and, and in different ways that we hadn't felt it. So I'm going to talk about singleness today. But what I want to say loud and clear is you don't have to be single to be lonely. And also, some of you who are single may not experience the feelings of loneliness because of the fact you're single. So again, this episode is for all of us because all of us have experienced the feeling of loneliness this year. And if you haven't, then you really need this episode because it's important to feel our feelings. So before we just get into loneliness, if you have not listened to the episode titled All of the Feelings, I want to do a quick recap on why I think it's important to talk about your feelings so much. You guys know I'm a big supporter of feelings, not just because I'm a therapist, because I guess maybe it's probably because I'm a therapist, but they just are necessary. Necessary. And also plug, if you love feelings too, go buy some of our merch. That t-shirt that we have is so cute. Feel your feelings. I cropped mine. I wear it all the time. Get lots of compliments on it. You need it. Great reminder. Anyway, so I want to talk a little bit, a little bit about feelings and why I think they're important for us to feel. So not feeling your feelings is just shoving energy of the feeling in a place that it doesn't belong. And then whatever actually does belong in that place gets like pushed out sideways and feelings need to come up for air and they're going to come up somehow. And um, if we don't pay attention to them, then they come out in ways that usually aren't very helpful to us. So essentially, feelings are energy and the energy is going to go somewhere. So why not use it? I also think feelings are guides and tools that help us lead us to what we truly need. And maybe it's not comfortable all the time, but what it does do is it helps us get to places that we need to go and that we really want to go. I don't think feelings are good or bad. They just are what they are. I have a list of feelings. I used to have it in, listed in my office. I need to print it out again. But a lot of clients will say like, why is there only one good feeling? And my response is, there's not. There's not any good feelings and there's not any bad feelings. There's just feelings and we need to start looking at them that way. So I don't think loneliness is a bad feeling. They're guides and they're tools. They're like car lights on a dashboard, right? So I think a lot of times are like, well, actually this was me this week. I'm currently driving my mother's car because my car's in the shop, but I had my engine light or I don't know what it was that engine light or the a light that needed to be taken care of. <laughs> so my light came on. And at first my reaction was like, Oh my God, I want to ignore this. I don't want to pay attention to this. I want this to go away. But that wasn't a bad sign. It was a good sign saying, Hey, there's something up with your car. You need to go take care of this so it can run properly. And I did. And so I want you to think about feelings as kind of like car lights on the dashboard. They're telling you that you might need to get gas. You might need to oil change. Hey, something's about to light on fire. You need to pull over. <laughs> So they're good for us to pay attention to. It doesn't mean that they're good or, or bad individually. So why should we lean into them instead of suppress them? All of our maladaptive behaviors like passive aggressiveness, self-loathing, codependency, inability to say no, drug use, 
eating disorder behaviors. All of those behaviors are, I believe, symptoms of a feelings disease. And the feelings disease is ignoring our feelings. And these symptoms are unhealthy mechanisms to keep us from feeling our feelings. They're unhealthy mechanisms to help us be able to continue to suppress what is really going on. These things smother and they distort our feelings. They turn things like fear into rage when really you're not really angry. You're just very scared. And so that's why I think it's super important to lean into them is because if we don't, like I said, it's going to come out in another way. So today, let's focus on loneliness. What is loneliness and how can it affect us? So when we pay attention to our loneliness and we're aware of it, it actually can help us build intimacy with ourselves and others. It encourages us to connect. It encourages connection in general. When you are aware that you're lonely, you can go seek out your need, which might be a phone call from a friend. Or I mean, it could be a million things. It doesn't even have to be connection with a individual human. It can be connection to yourself. If you know you're lonely and try to act like you aren't, you won't be motivated to get what you want. So if you're like, I'm not lonely, I'm fine. I'm just going to stay home and sulk and ignore all of this. Then what you're not doing is taking that tool, that guy that's like, hey, this is what you need. This is what you need. This is what you're essentially being like, I'm going to go left instead of right, even though the map clearly says to go right. Also, this is interesting. The emotional pain that we feel from loneliness hits the same neuropathways in the brain as physical pain. So loneliness can cause an intense sense of discomfort. And well, we as humans do not like feeling uncomfortable. This is where we insert a numbing strategy. So I say that because a lot of times especially like breakups or moves when you you are leaving a group of friends or a community. People are like, I feel it in my body. Like my body feels pain. It's like, yeah, because lo- the emotional and the physical pathways in your brain are very, very look similar and the same things light up inside of your brain. So I want you to know you're not crazy if you feel that. Now, this is the thing. When we insert that numbing strategy in because we don't want to feel uncomfortable, we become unaware of our loneliness. It creates things like apathy and distance. And this moves us into darker spaces that feel almost like black holes. And if we don't listen to that pain, right? Pain is a motivator. That is okay. Like, I want you guys to hear this as pain's a motivator. That's why like, essentially, it hurts when you touch a hot stove that motivates us to not put our hand on the stove. Like that's a good thing. It's a good thing that we can feel that pain. I want you to implement that when it comes to your emotions of like, this is a motivator. Like I'm lonely. It's not that I want to get rid of my loneliness, but it's saying, hey, stop hiding, come out from the woods or the forest and let's lean into some connection of some sort, whether that's with people or ourselves or God. Now, when it comes to relationships, I think we don't want to acknowledge that we feel sad or lonely and where we are because that makes it real right? If something's real, then we have to deal with it. I would argue that like, if something's real, then we get to deal with it and we get to do something about it. Leaning into what lets us know that we care brings us closer to getting to what we need. Okay. So leaning into whatever it is, lets us know that we care. That brings us closer to getting what we need. And maybe what's not what the world tells us that we need to have a good, I'm putting that in quotes, a good and fulfilling life. Okay, I want you to hear that. I think the world has a lot of solutions to loneliness and all that stuff. And I want you to hear me saying like leaning into your feelings and and listening to those guides might not bring you to what the world tells you that you need. So here's where I want to share a clip from my conversation with Jamie, where we were talking about depression and how Jamie identified something being off. He quickly leaned into the fact that when he feels the most depressed is during 
the healing process of breakups. And he was super honest and super vulnerable here. And I want you to hear what can happen when you do lean into and listen to being in your feelings. And yeah, it's not comfortable what he talks about, but it can lead you to a healing process. So I want you to hear him talk about this from the beginning to what he says on the other side of it. So here it is. Can you describe for you, because I think depression feels like so different for different people and for somebody who's never experienced depression, it's hard to wrap your head around it too. Yeah. Can you describe to me when you first felt bouts of that coming on and what it was like for you and how you knew like, this is not me. This seems like a little bit off. Well, I think it's interesting because I think for me it was, and I mentioned this earlier, but it's always been so closely tied to breakups and obviously going through a breakup and being sad is human you know so I I also think there's some blurry lines between like am I grieving a relationship or am I struggling with depression or is it both and at what point is one the other you know so and I don't know all of those answers but I think for me it was sort of like my first real breakup and then realizing weeks and weeks and weeks were going by where I was just so sad and so devastated and, you know, felt a bit paralyzed by it. So I, maybe that was where it started to feel like, hey, this is more than just me being sad. And, and in a way, I don't feel the pressure to separate one from the other. But I, I think yeah. in my ongoing, I'm someone who has struggled with depression. The lowest lows were always related to the end of romantic relationships. And I mean, yeah, just I think hard to fall asleep at night, not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, just not wanting to be around people. I think it can affect pretty much any aspect of life. Feeling hopeless. Am I ever going to recover? Am I ever going to feel happy again? Am I ever going to be in love again? And I've been away from heartache for years now, but I still, I, I'm still aware that I'm someone who struggles. I'm just thankful that I haven't had my heart broken in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you kind of mentioned some of those things you were just saying. The stories that we make up through things like breakups can be like so devastating. So for you, when it was like, when you go through that, do you remember some of the stories that would spin in your head about what the breakup or what the heartache meant? Because we have a feeling and as a a human, we like to make a story out of a feeling and make up a story a lot of times and they're not really great stories. Yeah. So I mean- no, that's a good question. And I mean, that's, I feel like I talk about that in, in counseling. I talk about all, all, you know, all the different stories that I've come to believe for different reasons, but I, I, you know, I think it's easy to feel like this was my great love and I blew it. You know, this was my one chance and I was meant to marry this person and I screwed it up. And yeah, I think, I think just like the guilt and the shame that comes with you know, regret and feel, feeling like I I did something wrong or I am something wrong. And that led to the, the loss of this thing that I believed in and wanted so much. I don't know. It's tricky because I feel like I talk to my counselor about this so much. So it's tricky to remember which stories are which. But yeah, and I think too, as, as you get, or as I've gotten further down the road and, and you know, you kind of look back at a a lot more history, it's easy to feel regret where it's like, man, is this, am I ever going to get it right? Am I lovable? Can I, can I actually put together a committed relationship? You know, so some of those stories. And it's interesting because a lot of what I know you guys stand for is finding hope. Then how do you find like the hope again? I mean, I think I'm thankful for where I am now because it's tempting to, you know, everything, so much of what you and I have been talking about the last few minutes, it's like romantic relationships. And it's, it's tempting to just want to put 
hope right back there and think that's the only thing that can heal me or make life good or make, you know, almost like this, if I could just be in love, that would be my salvation. And and that's, that's tempting. And obviously that's what so many songs tell us, but I, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm in a place now where I believe that life is worth living, whether I'm in love or not. And of course, I still want to find a great big love, but it's like I find hope in my family and my friends and my little dog and the sunset and my nephews and just all these simple things that are, that are they're, they're not as awesome as being in love, but it's like life can be good even without a romantic relationship. So one of the healing agents to loneliness is being and feeling known. Well, I think that our culture, especially in the pandemic, has gotten this a little confused because we are on our phones more than ever before now. And this was already starting to become a problem before the pandemic. And then in the pandemic, it's like, what else do we do? And so there's just been an influx of people reaching out to social media to really, truly find their connection and to really, truly feel like people know them and see them. And I think parts of us are curating what we want to be real, true relational connection outside in the world. We're settling for this essential kind of it on Instagram. And I actually found myself getting a little frustrated because I think it's really awesome and honorable and, and so needed when people post the reality pictures of like them having a hard day and and maybe crying or them not looking like they do when they have their full face of makeup and their whole outfit and their glam on. And then also I think it can be really powerful when people get on Instagram are very vulnerable and share things through video. And I think there's such a time and a place for that because I think that's nice because we are on our phone the majority of the time. It's nice for us to see people being real. So we're not just comparing what I say are our insights to their outsides. We get to see a little bit of people's insides. Now, part of me was getting frustrated this past week with that because I think that that is good for us to do, but it's the why behind we're doing it because also we can do that just because we want to connect and it's okay to connect through Instagram, but we have got to remember that we need real outside human, like not on a computer screen connection. And so sometimes when we have that urge to get on Instagram and share a really vulnerable thing, and maybe we're, we want to film a story and, and we're crying and we're emotional, that is awesome. And I think it is great for us to be able to see people do that. And I want to encourage you guys to dig into the, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to show people that life isn't a highlight reel? Or am I doing this because I need connection and I am a little bit afraid to go out into the real world and get it because it's, it's harder to call a friend and cry to a friend than it is sometimes. It seems weird because it's like, wait, you really want to cry to like thousands of people, but there's a screen and a lot of the followers, like I'll even speak for myself. A lot of my followers, I don't really know them. So there might be three, 3,000 people watching my story, but I don't know them and I don't see them in day-to-day life and so on and so forth. So all of that to say, I think it is wonderful. I've said this 15 times because I don't want you to hear the wrong thing, but I think it's wonderful when people are sharing realness on Instagram and Facebook and whatever. And I think we also have to remember we need to reach out to people in real life too. We need those real one-on-one intimate conversations because intimacy is not just feelings. Intimacy is relational and there's a back and forth in that. And on Instagram, yeah, there might be a DM or two, but it's not as much of a back and forth and it's not as much as a give and take and receive kind of thing. So with that, I want to share an excerpt 
from Jamie and I's conversation about how we were talking about how we cure loneliness with social media and curated vulnerability. That word curated vulnerability, I think is really important. And he kind of shares how to get out of that cycle. And I think this is a really powerful part of that conversation. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you You Need Therapy after you check out. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. I believe truly, truly, truly that a lot of the mental health issues we have that surround addiction and depression and anxiety come from what you said, this like fear of vulnerability, which is really a fear of being known, like fully known, fully seen. Do you feel comfortable answering that question of like for you, what is scary about people really seeing you? What scares you about people knowing you? How might that show up in your life that you've had to kind of battle with or? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think shame is a big one. I think shame comes to mind. I also think there's sort of this selective vulnerability 
right? Because like, you know, the people who follow me on Instagram think I'm super honest. I feel like I'm capable of this selective vulnerability, you know, where it's like, hey, I'll, I'll share this vulnerable thing today. But it, but it's kind of like, okay, well, what, a, to, kind of going back to your question, like, what about all the stuff you choose not to share? And, and, I, and I also think like, there's obviously there's different forms of being known. And I used to think sharing something with everyone, kind of that Instagram example was like, that was being known. And that was powerful and radical and helpful. And now I feel like I'm a lot more interested in, do I share this with my counselor? Do I share this with my best friends? Do I share this with my sisters? Like truly being known by a few people. And there's value and there's a place for being vulnerable, you know, with the public or trying to encourage people out of my own vulnerability that whole idea of what do I share on Instagram or trying to show up as these like vulnerable people. But am I being like, is this really me? Or is this what I want yeah. you to see and think of sure. me? That's what it is. Yeah. No, it's fascinating. I actually, I've had the thought recently where I feel like for a bunch of years in recent years, I feel like I treated, it's hard to articulate, but, but yeah. almost like social media was real life and real life wasn't that interesting. Real life was actually sort of boring and not uninspiring, but I could like use it to find things to share, you know, and, uh, and I actually feel like only recently have I stopped operating where I feel like I've been able to flip those back, which is healthy, which is like, Oh, I am a person that exists in the world. And every now and then I choose to share something, but I'm not constantly thinking about Instagram. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I feel like that's yeah. like, I don't know. Some of that, I just moved back to Florida and I keep telling people, I feel like one of the silver linings of the pandemic is I feel like it's just taken away FOMO because I moved back to my hometown in Florida and it's really sleepy and simple. But I don't know. There's a, I feel like the, the lack of FOMO has felt really healthy for me where it's like, oh, I'm just, it's a lot easier to be present. You know, I don't feel like I'm missing out on some cool life somewhere because life seems pretty hard and weird everywhere. What would be scary and what would be showing up for us as like problems and issues and fears around shame and vulnerability if Instagram wasn't a thing? If we didn't have it, when I asked uh, like what's scary about showing up for you, you went straight to talking about Instagram and it's like, well, that's just how our brains are wired. Yeah, yeah. How did this happen? When did this happen? And it's not going away. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think it's also like, it can, it can so easily be a bit of a drug, like, especially when, you know, it's like, in real life, I'm alone with my dog most of the time. Sometimes I go get a coffee or I pick up food. Like, it's just all this like simple, nor or I can share something vulnerable with 50,000 people. And it's like, of course, that's going to be a lot more interesting. And like, you know, it's like, I might hear from 50 people in 10 minutes. I can't, I'm not going to experience that in normal life, you know? But I also think, I think, I, I feel like I kind of dodged or maybe accidentally dodged like two questions ago, but I'm wired where it's, it feels good to be called vulnerable. Like it, it you know, you kind of, it, it's like, wow, Jamie's brave or Jamie's honest yeah. and he's a, he's a writer and he's sensitive. But it's like, I think with the shame is like, oh, Jamie has regrets and Jamie makes mistakes and has hurt people and done just like all that's all the stuff wrapped up in the shame you know what i mean and the vulnerability can be very curated like you know what i mean like it, it's it almost feels like it's this vulnerability that's totally on my terms you know where it's like yeah. i can figure out exactly what to share exactly how much i can sit with the the wording and i think that makes a case for me of counseling where it's like just to be totally not not only to be honest about those specifics but also how to try to move beyond them 
to healing, you know? So not just like, oh, we're going to talk about it for an hour and it's going to suck and I might cry, but, I, but, but actually with the goal of like, how do I move through this? How do I process these feelings and memories in ways that are healthy? Which I'm so glad you said that because a, one of the biggest issues, and I will say I'm a therapist who goes to therapy. And one of the more recent things that my therapist asked me was, do you think you're vulnerable? And I was like, yes, I'm a therapist. Yes, like, I, I have am. a podcast. <laughs> and she was like, but she was like, you should ask your friends oh. if they think you're vulnerable. And the first friend that I asked was like, um, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like offended. But the truth is I can go into a counseling session and talk about whatever my own, because I know that therapists can't say yeah. anything to anybody. So I can say anything I want and it's not going to cause conflict. It might make me uncomfortable for an hour, which is what you said for an hour. And then I close the door and I go for a walk. I shake it out. And then I go on with my life. We can like curate our vulnerability totally. But what happens, like what happens when you leave those spaces? What are we supposed to do with that? Yeah. What am I scared of? Yeah. Like, what am I scared of when I leave that room? What am I scared of taking that stuff with me and doing something? Yeah. With it? And I, I feel like I tell other people and I try to remind myself that, I love the idea of counseling as like practice. Say we go once a week for an hour. Well, obviously there's a whole bunch of other hours in the week. And my hope is that it kind of gets me started down the road of, okay, this is what it's like to talk openly. And I'm probably not going to talk to everyone in my life the way I talk to my counselor, but hopefully I, I share some of those things outside of counseling. Yeah. Well, and you shouldn't, because I think that there's a like, total line that we miss of like intimacy and how it grows and how there needs to be time it that i think sometimes we get i get excited i'll speak for myself and i see a lot of people getting excited of like intimacy let's do oh, it yeah. and let's tell everybody our deepest darkest secrets and we're gonna be so connected yeah. and then it's like okay what yeah. now it's like intimacy is something that is grown through time and building of trust and like how people see you so we shouldn't the, the relationships we have with a therapist it takes some time for people to open up and really be mm. honest and really get to the reason why they're there the same way outside of the room it should be we shouldn't be telling every single person every detail and every part of our trauma yeah. if, especially if it's unprocessed so i think there's no shame in that of like learning who and when and and what to share and open up about because i think what i hear in vulnerability is when somebody's like they're so vulnerable it's like well they can just emotionally purge everything on the internet yeah that's not vulnerability that's just information now in closing, after all of these feelings, what I want to share with you guys is that sometimes our feelings lead us to straight up needing help. And one of the reasons I started this podcast was to make it easier and less stigmatized to need and to get help and to ask for help when it comes to mental health. So because of who Jamie is and what he stands for, I wanted to talk with him about why he thinks it's so hard for people to get help in our healing process. And I think what he said is so simple yet so profound. I want you guys to hear it loud and clear. So here is what Jamie said when I asked him why he believes it's so hard for people to get help these days. What do you think makes it hard for people to get help or, I mean, just go to therapy, but in the larger scheme, get help when it comes to addiction, depression, self-harm, suicide? What are some roadblocks? We are afraid of judgment. I, I kind of say that with 
the royal we, you know, just that so many people are afraid of being labeled, being misunderstood. Kind of like if someone knew the truth about me, how would they feel? How would they treat me? What would it cost me? You know, could it cost me my relationship, my marriage, my job, my roommate? And so I think there's all these reasons that sort of reinforce stigma or the idea that, hey, everyone else is busy. They got their own stuff. They don't need to be burdened with my stuff. Those are all examples of things that keep these conversations from happening, you know, and, and, and we kind of reinforce the silence and the secrets. Um, and then I think I've just come to believe that there's so much value in in being open and being honest. I don't know like an epic way to say it because it's so simple, but just and it's, I feel like I feel thankful to get to lead by example, just as someone who does get to talk about not only the experience of struggling, but, the, but with that, the experience of asking for help and taking an antidepressant and the idea that so many of these, the problems and the solutions are not radical. They're, they're pretty simple. Uh, but, but to someone who's never stepped into counseling or never talked about, you know, trauma from their childhood or the pain or shame that they live with, like that can be so scary, right? You're just on the edge of this so much uncertainty and, you know, all sorts of negative things that can be wrapped up in that. Uh, but I think just, I like to tell people that it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. Like, I think that's true of recovery. I think that's true of healing. Like, I even, I love the idea that it's, it's probably safe to say if, if you make your first counseling appointment, that might start out as the scariest hour of your week. But I feel like so often it can get rewired where it ends up being the most important hour of your week. And not that it's like super fun or like, you know, not that it's always happy or easy, but there's a feeling of progress and, and healing and letting go and believing better things and, and just that it's, it's worth it to engage yeah. in, this, in this stuff. I think the idea that the solutions aren't radical is like a radical thing mm. to say because our problems seem so heavy and big. And so we think that we're going to need a huge, heavy, big, like firework solution when it's like, it could be a conversation that is really what you need to help your healing. And, and also healing isn't a one time boom in your face, everything's better. And, And we want that because our world is so stuck on like things being big and exciting. And so I think the idea that just spreading that solutions aren't radical. Mm. Like a radical problem doesn't need a radical yeah. solution. It might need a really simple solution. I love that so much. Well, and it's like, I mean, there's all these simple examples. It's like you take your car in for an oil change and you go to the dentist X amount of times per year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And like, we're, we understand that all of these things in our lives require maintenance and sometimes they break down in different ways. And it's like, why, okay, so what if we added our mental health to that list? And, and of course, our mental health is more important than, than our car. So it's yeah. like, I do like that idea of, I like to tell people we're dreaming about a world where you can talk about those things equally, you know? And I, I totally understand that our mental health is probably going to be harder to talk about than our teeth or obviously our car. But I like the idea that of, of just that, openness, you know, and, and that idea that it's just a, okay to get help. And, you know, even the idea, like the way we share favorite restaurants or, or hey, I, I have a good dentist. Let me, let me share the contact, like that we could help each other find therapists and support groups and just to, just to normalize that conversation. But for some people, it seems so intrusive or it seems so, I think sometimes when I'm, when I ask or I throw out, like, have you been to therapy or have you thought about going to therapy, they're like, excuse me. And I'm like, I am not offending you. (laughs) Like, I think therapy is great, but it feels like it's offensive almost of 
that means you're telling me there's something wrong mm. with me. What I always say is there doesn't have to be something wrong with yeah. you to go to therapy. But also, if we're honest, we all have things that are wrong yeah. with us. Like we all, And that's okay. It's part of being a human. All right, guys. Well, that is it. That wraps up this episode. And you know how I was talking about in the, in the beginning, how I deleted the episode that was supposed to come out today. I truly do think that God and the world and the universe works in beautiful, mysterious ways. And there's got to be a reason that y'all needed to hear from Jamie and you guys needed to hear about loneliness and all of that today. So I'm hoping that some of you got what you needed to hear today. And I'm hoping that some of this has helped you guys become more aware of what you're going through and what you need and how to lean into your stuff, even though it's not easy. And I think I want to close with that. Like none of this is easy. And I try to make this podcast fun and entertaining, but when it comes down to it, healing when it comes to mental health and being honest with yourself and your emotions and and what you re- what's really going on on the inside, it's tough. And I posted this week a quote that I heard from a supervisor when I started as a therapist, and it was stop comparing your insides to everybody else's outsides. And I want to encourage y'all to really stop doing that because you have everything of you. You have all your stuff, whether you've cut it off and shut it down or not. You have all of this internal stuff and then you have this external stuff and you are comparing all of that combined to somebody's just pure outsides. And we can't mind read, we can't get into people's psyches, we cannot know everybody's past and what's going on at home just by looking at one picture they post or them walking down the street or the car they're driving or the job they have or what they share about their relationship. And so it's so unfair to us to do that. And as you guys are are leaning into your stuff and becoming more aware and allowing yourself to open yourself to what you're really feeling and what you're really needing, I want you to hear that. Like, Don't compare what you are opening up on the inside to the little bit that you see of everybody else. We're not privy to all of that. And everybody has stuff. I need you guys to believe that. Everybody has stuff. I have stuff. Man, I tell you, I have clients that come in my office that if I would see them walking down the street or if I would meet them out or if I were just to see their Instagram, I would think their lives are perfect. Except I know that nobody's life is perfect. And so I have an easier way of pushing that idea that like everybody has it better than me out because I get to see the insides of a lot of people. I want people to hear that I said, if you have not felt lonely this year at some point in some way, something's off with you being honest with yourself. And listen, feeling lonely doesn't mean that you're like life's a mess. I feel lonely all the time and I feel like I have a wonderful life. So anyway, I am rambling. So hope this was what some of y'all needed and I want to thank Jamie for being so honest and vulnerable and having this conversation with me and again go follow them support to write love in her arms and I will catch you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. 
During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.